Hello, I'm Howard and welcome to the 9320 podcast Friday show powered by our friends at City Extra. It's the show that's finally put heating on as it's decided to wear shorts and a t-shirt at home forever because jeans are so 2019. Uh, We've got a packed programme as the return of the Premier League quickly approaches. City won't be involved of course but they've kept us all busy nevertheless and there's plenty to discuss this week. So, delighted to be joined by three top league guests, namely... In alphabetical order, no uh, priorities or preferences. Asan, Jordan, and Steve. Uh, hello, Asan. How are you doing? I'm top, mate. Love being back on the Friday show. Oh, good to have you back. Thank you. Uh, how long's it been? Has it been a long, long time? It's been way too long. It's been months. Do you know what I mean? And I, do you know what I was thinking about this morning? This was the first show we did. The first podcast we ever did was was on a Friday. Um, so I think that's why I have a special affinity with the Friday show because it's. It's where it, all the magic began, Howard. Yeah, well, apologies for ignoring your calls. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, next I up is, you. <laughs> not as if, as if I'd do that. Uh, hello, Jordan. How you doing? I'm good, mate. It's, uh, it's nice to be on the Friday show. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks for coming on and for powering our show, as we said. Powering it. I'm, I'm energising this show. <laughs> yeah. we're, relying, you're, we're relying on the youth folk for, for my, having you My yours. energy bill is going to be massive. <laughs> 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 Best keep this Friday show so minimal, yeah? Because I, yeah. I need to pay this bill. <laughs> Just hook it up to ne- the neighbour's electricity. I'll tell you how to do it after. Yeah. <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> and finally, by no means least, I've, I've kicked him off hosting because I've been in a bad mood. All week, so I thought it'd be better to have his opinions. Stay, how are you doing? I wanted to hear your you and your bad mood. <laughs> as I said, I'll host you. Just kind of give your opinions with a bad mood. No, uh, well, as I said off air, I painted two doors yesterday afternoon, <laughs> and I got my mojo back completely. Yeah. So. You sounded very proud when you told me. <laughs> uh, Trust me, I've, the DIY jobs so that have taken me eight years to do, like ten minute jobs. So. Uh, I'm, I'm back now anyway, so... You're not, a ha- you're not a handyman, Howard? Oh, no. God, no, no. No? I'm a dis- walking disaster area, so... Yeah, me too, to be fair. I mean, basically, I have this, even the seat I'm sat in squeaks about every two minutes because one of the screws has fallen out and I've not got around to putting it back in yet, so... My, uh, my wife has a toolkit and I don't. Yeah. It's not like that, is it? <laughs> I've got one, but it's it's now buried behind about three thousand empty supermarket shopping bags that have built up over six months of lockdown. So, uh, so you keep your toolkit in the same place that we do. In the same, <laughs> I open in the, same the door. Drawers, the plastic bags. I open the door. Just three hundred plastic bags just fall out, basically. So cause you're not allowed to give them back to uh, drivers oh. or supermarkets yet. So, but yeah, I've not needed it. So anyway. Right, let's get cracking anyway. Uh, now we're going to start mostly about City this show, of course, but we're going to start with Jurgen Klopp, who's been talking this week. Uh, he's been discussing Liverpool being different to other clubs, and I think we can all agree about that, uh, because they are not owned by a country or an oligarch, and not being able to spend like others, notably Chelsea right now, I imagine. Uh, but obviously, wait till we sign a defender at some point in the next week or so. Uh, Steve, you wrote the agenda. You should get first dibs on giving us your thoughts on his latest comments. I'm sure it'll be measured and impartial, so uh, feel free to take it away. What did you think of his comments this week? Uh, I scoffed at them. Um, I don't take him seriously at all. He just plays up to the cheap seats. Um, Someone summed him up perfectly on Twitter saying, um, 
But Liverpool now have a second consecutive manager who contrives a connection to the fan base, and that's exactly what he did. That's exactly what Brendan Rodgers did before him. Um, and Liverpool fans, you know, lap that crap up, don't they? I think, well, unquestionably, Liverpool and Barcelona are, are the two most pious and delusional football clubs in world football. And um, they believe they're different. They believe they're more than a club. They believe that supporting them means more. And weirdly, that they're somehow pure and that everyone else is unethical. And that's what came through in Klopp's comments as well. Um, I'm going to give countless examples as to why Liverpool are anything but ethical. We can look at how they got all English football banned from Europe for several years. Um, we can look at the disgraceful way that they've treated the local residents in the last 20 years around Anfield. Look at the recent example where they showed their true colours once again by trying to furlough their staff. Um, but we don't need to do that. Everyone knows what Liverpool's like. They are hated. If you're not a Liverpool fan, you hate Liverpool. You hate Liverpool Football Club. And it's far different type of hatred to Manchester United. You knew where you were with United. They were the empire. You know, you, you looked at Old Trafford, you saw their kit, and you heard, like, the empire's march. And, and you know, they, they were evil. Whereas Liverpool are just like a snide David Brent. And <laughs> they just are so annoying beyond belief. Um, but Klopp plays up to it. He knows what he's doing. He probably doesn't believe it. He said the same kind of crap in Germany as well regarding Bayern Munich and, you know, little old Dortmund. And But in this instance, when you look at how much we spent Liverpool, you look at their billionaire owner, it's just laughable. He's laughable. Uh, the interview was by Kelly Cates, was it not? So Yeah. Uh, now, I love Kelly. I think she's a I do, presenter. I do. But obviously, uh, Kelly Dalglish's daughter... Was it on BBC or whatever? Obviously, it wasn't going to be a probing interview ever. It was mm. just a, an open forum in a way to say what he wanted. Uh, so, not a dick at her. It's just that's what it was. Imagine if she'd come back there and said, but what about your club's owner, Jürgen? Yeah, well, I mean... How, how poor is he? How many managers would do that if they were going to get an absolute grilling? I don't know. Or would he have done it? Or was it just a... I don't know what the point of the, <laughs> the interview was, mm. but yeah. Hey, uh, son... Is that not a se- I mean, obviously, being hated by other, we're all used to that, and we probably don't care. Uh, we don't want to be. Who cares if you're loved by another, yeah, you know, by other fans? But was this by Klopp not just essentially doing the front for his owners who aren't, who aren't, don't want to spend any money? Is he just doing his corporate thing, or do you see more in what he said? Um, I mean, <clears throat> I can't really get as worked up as as Steve did because <laughs> Klopp's a bit. Uh, <laughs> He's he's a little he's been a little bit performative in the last few years in how he kind of conducts himself. So it's it's really not that surprising. I think that you know who steals. Oh, I, I thought you were talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> or both. I thought fair comment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm nodding my head here. To, to, to be clear, I'm talking about Jurgen here. Not about yeah, right, right. Yeah. Um, no, I just uh, look. I, I, to me, they weren't a surprise and. He's ticking boxes, isn't he? Oligarchs not owned by a country. We we have to do it differently because we can't spend like that. Well, you know, fine, cool. If that's that's how you feel, then that's or that. Like in the end, you're right, Howard. All he's doing is he's explaining to Liverpool supporters why they aren't spending any money this this window, and he's basically backing the owners, um, and that's fair enough. And there's loads of Liverpool supporters that are really unhappy at the fact that they're not 
spending money. And to be honest, the way that I can tell that they're unhappy about the fact they're not spending money is they're not talking about Man City very much right now. They're talking <laughs> about their own transfer business, which, you know, is feels kind of weird after two years of completely obsessing about everything that our club does. Um, so to kind of go from there to, to Klopp's comments, for me, yeah, it's just expected, really. Well, yeah, I mean, some of the fan uh, accounts on Twitter are barely mentioning City more than three or four times a day at the moment. So <laughs> they really are like, uh, yeah, they're not happy. But I mean, obviously, October the 5th, I think, is the end of the transfer window. So, I mean, it's almost a month left. So I don't, they're not going to spend big, are they? Because the money isn't there. Uh, there's a great uh, thread, obviously, as always, by Swiss Ramble that, uh, that breaks down the financials, uh, but it's never about, it's not about transfer fees, it's about wages and other costs. And that's why they don't have a lot of money to spend. It's not, and the owners don't do things like that. So, uh, you know, if the clubs, if the team's successful, they're not really bothered about s- splashing money uh, because it makes them money. It's an American mod, American owner model in a way. Uh, Jordan, you got any views on club? Are they as strong as Steve's? No, I don't think so. I, I, I kind of feel like. He's just glo- like like Aysan said, pretty much. He's just, just glossing over the fact that they've not spent any money. He's coming out with that to kind of appease the Liverpool fans a bit, just to say, "Oh, yeah, this is why we've not spent as much." And then the Liverpool, pan- Liverpool fans will just eat it up. Like I said before, the, he has this affinity with the Liverpool fans, where Klopp can say what he wants, and all the Liverpool fans will just agree with it because they love Klopp so much. Mm. So I feel like it just it will just, just gloss over the fact that they've not spent any money. Like that is pretty much why I think he's come out with this. I did feel he's deserving the I think having a dig, having a dig at some other clubs as well. Sorry, Jordan. I, I do I do think um he is deserving of a bit of well sympathy is too strong a word, but I mean he was after Timo Werner, wasn't he? And you know, he really wanted him and then, you know, he went to Chelsea because Chelsea were willing to stump up kind of the wages. And and you look at Liverpool at the moment, you look at you know from Klopp's perspective, he has spent the last three or four years Moulding this squad, he's now got the complete squad. He's got everything he wants. He's got the kids coming through. He's got the, a, an amazing first eleven. They know him. They trust him. He's got everything he wants now, and they've, they've got silverware. So now is the time to bring in two big name players to to refresh the squad, to improve them further, and to sustain their su- success. And that's been denied him. So you know, I've got no problem with Klopp feeling hard done by. He's got every right to be hard done by, but that should be aimed. At his owners, not that he's going to say so publicly, of course. Um, you know, but instead he, he blames Chelsea and City, and no, we're not to blame, mate. It's 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 Liverpool. It's internal. I feel like the worst thing you can do when you win the title is sit on your squad and just think you're going to do yeah. the same thing next year. You you have to continue to you should have to strive to be better every season. You should always be looking to upgrade players and upgrade the squad because if you sit on it, you end up in a bad situation where. Because it depends how the season goes, doesn't it? I, I just always feel like every summer you should always be in there. You should be in the mix for all the top players. Well, yeah, I mean, it's I a think... horrible example, but the one we're all probably thinking of is is Ferguson at United. Is you know something he did really well and something he was very aware of. Once every you know two years, three years, he revamped his squad. Well, I think a Mancini two thousand twelve of you know the the terrible transfer window we had. Uh, maybe yes. for for, Klopp yeah. for keeping quiet, it should get some respect because I'm sure he is very disappointed, at least behind the scenes. He's uh, not but for, quiet, for a club that have been spending the Coutinho money since before he was actually born, <laughs> and they don't really have a right to have a go at Chelsea, who got big, in, you know, big transfer fees from Morata and uh, and Hazard, of course. Uh, 
And so net spend, which they're obsessed about, will not be that big for Chelsea because of that transfer ban that stopped them for a while. So, mm, I just, I, I, I believe that, or I feel as though it's become, and I'd be interested to know what the three of you think very quickly. I, I feel as though it's become more um, prevalent that managers can't kind of contain themselves to talking about their own club. They have to project it outwards. And I think that, Pep's really good in terms of not rolling like that. Like when Pep didn't get Maguire, Pep's answer was not, we can't compete with Man United. Pep's answer was, it's cool. I've got the squad that I've got and I'm happy with it. And I, you know, I've got options and et cetera, et cetera. The focus was not on, I mean, he might even, Guardiola might occasionally make the comment that we can't spend what people think we can spend, which is fair enough. He's entitled to say that because of everything that's thrown at him. But in general, he won't point at other people's uh, business when talking about his own business. And I, I feel as though that's become, I see that more and more in the Premier League at every level. So, you know, your, your Southamptons will talk about not being able to compete with your Wolves or your Everton and your Wolves and your Everton will talk about, well, we can't compete with the top six. And I look at them all and I go, there's not a bloody club in Europe, yeah, that can compete with any of us. Like we, <laughs> yeah. we roll around Europe, hoovering up the best talent in France, Spain, Italy, Germany, no problem. Do you know what I mean? Clubs like Everton and Wolves are signing the best young, young talents from abroad. That's, we've got we're no I just find it super weird that Premier League managers speak about money in the way that they do with the amount of TV money that their clubs generate and the amount of money that they have and the wage bills that they carry it's a damn good point yeah yeah okay let's move on anyway because I don't know if I think we mentioned everything uh, I just as you've said Steve or touched on all I do now certain things that oligarchs don't do that's hack databases or furlough staff so yeah. it works both ways doesn't it so anyway on to the next topic uh, it's expected the dust has settled on Phil Foden's England frolics earlier this week <laughs> though we can expect some stern talking to's from the boarding school headmaster that is Gareth Southgate uh, I've even mentioned possible counselling for them this week which is like Oh, come on. <laughs> Get a grip. Uh, I would hope they'd understand what they've done and move on. Uh, UA, so, uh, you know, on the on the Wednesday show, uh, for subscribers, we did discuss this. Uh, you weren't on it, were you? So I might ask you first, do you think you, how much reputational damage Phil Foden has suffered for his actions this week, or do you think it's something that will, uh, will move on from very quickly? I know we... Steve has put in the agenda uh, in the notes with, that City are very much buying into his image as a homegrown golden boy. I don't see him that way. I just see him as a local boy who, you know, with blue blood in a way, who's come through the ranks. That's the big thing to me, what he does off the pitch. Well, yeah, he does come across as a sweet and innocent kid, so a bit surprising this week. But more, it's more important to me that he's a local lad, a blue, and he's come through the youth team, and we needed that, really. Uh, what about for you, you know, how, how he's portrayed at the club? Do you think this will have long-lasting repercussions or it's something that will blow over pretty quickly? Well, I mean, look, I think from a public point of view, it will blow over pretty quickly. I think that, you know, the kind of rolling news cycle of football means that somebody will do something this weekend and by Monday morning, everybody will have forgotten about Greenwood and, and Foden and what they did. Um, and I don't, 
I don't fully agree with the idea that City have marketed Foden as anything. Actually, quite the opposite. They've tried to keep everything really low key. He's not allowed to do interviews. He's, you, know, you see what I mean? Like he's mm. not front and center of any marketing campaigns. They've actually tried to keep a lid on the talent of Phil Foden. And this has blown up the first time that they've actually opened a door to something bigger. And the thing that they've opened the door to is obviously him joining the uh, the England squad, the, the England first team, and, and he's gone out there and, and this thing has happened. But no, I don't think that, I, I don't think, look, I, in the end, uh, I think you all summed it up on Wednesday really well in terms of the kind of naivety and the stupidity of it. Uh, and even like, you know, you feel like on some level the pair of them were well out of order yeah age aside under the circumstances they were well out of order but once you get past that it's going to be a storm in a teacup and i don't think that there'll be any reputational damage and to be honest i imagine that most lads like young lads that follow football even opposition supporters are going to be a bit like lads just being lads do you know what i mean so I can't even imagine that he's going to... It's not like he's going to go to opposition grounds and get loads of stick for smuggling two Icelandic birds into his hotel room. Do you know what I mean? It's well, just... Shall we ask one? <laughs> yes, go on. <laughs> Let's do it. Jordan, your thoughts on this? Is it big overreaction? Or, I mean, personally, I just... All I worry about with players. I'm not interested in what happens off the pitch, really. Uh, I'm worried about what happens on the pitch. And yeah. still, there could be repercussions on the pitch, you know. Because obviously, human beings, they have lives. It can affect form in the way that our jobs suffer. Is it an overreaction to you? Was it a storm in the teacup? Or do you see that this is problematic, what happened? No, I think, like like Aeson said, the whole lads being lads thing, he, he should have he should have had a, a bigger brain on him, really, to, to kind of decide, like, yeah, I shouldn't be doing any of this. I mean, the guy, is, at the end of the day, is a dad. But it's that kind of... He's, he's very young, isn't he? So it's that kind of... He's going to... He's still got a lot to learn. So from his public image point of view, he's never really had anything to learn from because he's never done anything wrong. I feel like you always learn from your mistakes and I feel like this will be like the big one where you'll kind of be like, yeah, okay. Hopefully it doesn't affect him on the pitch. I don't think it will do. I think obviously like even now, I feel like things on Twitter and stuff have all died down a lot now from like the other day. Um, but as we know with John Stones, things that happen at home do affect the way yeah. you are on the pitch and I just hope it doesn't with Phil I hope he just comes back as normal and everything's chill with him but I don't know I, I, I'm fine with the situation that, like like most people will be and I, I don't think it's tarnished his his image at all do you think Pep should punish him mate um I think Pep Pep will speak to him say to him like you can't because he, he can't be doing this because he's in the public eye all the time especially with him just starting with uh England and that I feel like Pep will speak to him and say, like, you need to be more careful. But I don't think he'll punish him. I don't think he'll get punished by the club for it. I mean, the punishment should be for COVID stuff, not for, <laughs> you know, bedroom activities. It's, you know, it's the context of when it happened and you know, I did, the, did, the timing. Pep, I couldn't Pep, care less about this if it happened a year ago. But, of course, on an England debut, there are other things as well. As I said on Wednesday, this is how we all remember his debut now. So he's, mm. he's tarnished it for himself and he's kind of the punishment. Well... The after effects, the natural after effects of this are the punishment in a way. Yeah. And I, I, there's no need for him, Southgate, talking about four games. Why four games? What what does that serve by him and Greenwood not being selected for four games? It serves nothing. If the contrite and if both their managers, Demet Pep and, and Southgate, feel, believe that they understand what they've done wrong, there's no need for punishment. 
that's punishments are there, you know, to educate people. It serves no purpose otherwise. So I, I think he may not be picked for Wolves as a, to make a point, but I don't, if it went beyond that, I just, I see no point. I don't think Pep will because he's not the only person to have a footballer, English footballer to have, uh, yeah. <laughs> made mistakes <laughs> since March, since we've all been locked down. So I think, I think in a way, um, it's probably going to be a blessing in disguise that he's gone away with England for the first time and he's basically, basically been set up and stung in the worst way possible from yeah. a media and a public perception point of view. Because I think that, you know, for a lad like him, he needs to focus on football and he needs to walk around thinking one day I could be captain of Man City. So I need to conduct myself in that manner. And look, I have no doubt that somebody like Kev will be will be having a chat with Phil. Do you know what I mean? And, mm. and just letting him know like what his responsibilities are, both as a footballer and also just as a high profile human being. Do you know what I mean? Cause it's just, you have to live your life slightly differently. And I, I've heard all the stories. I, I kind of, I know both sides of the fence. I know that it will make a lot of people uncomfortable, but the reality is that young lads, footballers, more money than you can ever imagine. You can't go out and drink. You can't go out and take drugs. It's hard to party. Do you know what I mean? You live in very, you live in very weird closed environments. Like women is a thing for footballers. That's, you know, it's something that they do. So it's, it, we can't transport ourselves or try and apply like our morality to the way they live their lives, but they've just got to know when to, when to play and when not to play. And look, when you're away and you're in a COVID bubble, you can't be messing around with that stuff. I think you guys asked Jack on the Wednesday show, whether this happens, like whether this is actually a regular thing. And he pretty much said it. It was like, you know, it oh, goes yeah. on. Like, it's not like it's not gone on in the well, past. That lads he said pre-season friendlies. I, I mean, I, I agree with much of what you all said. Um, I really do about 90% of what you said, but there's certain aspects I really do strongly disagree with. I mean, for starters, this thing about being in the COVID environment, that of course exacerbates it. But that's not the thing what, what pisses me off. What pisses me off is it was his first... It was his debut for England. He was going away for the first time with England. And that's what he does. It was so, so stupid. It was stupid beyond belief. I would go as far to say as all the dickheads who have played for England down the years, and there have been many, from Ashley Cole to John Terry, they wouldn't have done that. They wouldn't have done that, not at that age. And when people talk about his age, he's 20 years old, but he's not 20 years old. In real terms, he's 25, he's 26. He's a, a well-travelled man who plays in a very mature environment with a lot of responsibility put on him and a lot of pressure. In every day of his life, he has to deal with that. That makes you grow up a lot quicker. He is not this wide-eyed, naive, 20-year-old. You know, he's just not. He's a grown man. Um, I was staggered by him doing this. I was really disappointed in him doing it. Where I do agree with you all is, um, like what you said, Jordan, this is his first big hit you know, he will, to learn from, you need hits in life. And this is his first big hit. And hopefully he'll learn from it. And I don't want to castigate him. I'm more than happy for this to be let go of now. But City fans have been downplaying the stupidity of this. I mean, I've seen a guy, a City fan, outraged with ESPN because they described it as disgraced, disgraced Phil Foden. Yeah, he, he disgraced himself. And he disgraced the club as well. And, and going back to what you said, Asan, about... 
I completely agree, by the way, about you, uh, when you said that the club have put a, a kind of a, a tin lid on the whole kind of, you know, potential of Phil Foden and a hype around him. But they've sure been loving all the positivity that's been surrounded the lad from, from the get-go. Because if they could have created someone, they would have created Phil Foden. Someone born and raised in Stockport, a lifelong City fan, the future of English football, and just, a, a you know, a decent lad by all accounts. They would have created him. And he goes and does this. So. Yeah, but you can't you can't hold that against him. Like he can't be held. I, I appreciate everything you've just said there, but I think where I would probably draw a line is when you get into that idea of like, well, you know, he, he, it's more for him because he's from Stockport and he's a blue, and it's all of this and all of that. It's like no, he. One, he is a 20-year-old kid. You can say he's 25, and you can say that a football dressing room is a mature environment, but I would probably argue the contrary. I imagine that football dressing rooms are massively immature environments. I imagine yeah, that point, as, soon yeah. as, the, mm. as soon as the coach and the manager and everybody steps out of the room, you know what they're talking about, and you know <laughs> what kinds of pictures they're exchanging on WhatsApp. And, you know, I'm not being funny, but you all saw the story of Yaya Torre from a week ago, right? Yeah. And Yaya Torre is pushing 40 and an elder statesman of football. So again, it should give you an idea of the mentalities and the environments within professional football, particularly in Europe or particularly in England for me. So I just, I, I'm, I, I'm struggling to come down on him like a ton of bricks because I'm kind of going, yeah, you did a massively stupid thing, but it's so public that the humiliation, like just in that car being driven home, knowing yeah. that the stuff you've just done has been outed, not just, it's not just your girlfriend taking your phone and, and seeing a video or finding a video. It's like publicly people putting stuff out there. It's, that will be punishment enough. I think the fact that that I'm not going to talk about Greenwood because I don't know how United are run, but I feel fairly comfortable that whatever City do to Foden will be enough. That we, we won't yeah, need to do anything enough. else. Yeah. Um, we but we are coming at this slightly differently because you're talking about what he did, as in you know bringing girls back to a hotel room, and talking about his decision to do it. You know, I mean, it's, there is a slight difference there. The stupidity of his decision to go through with it right from start to finish. You know, it wasn't just like an impromptu decision, like, oh, you know, this girl's just been in touch. Ten minutes later, she's at the door. He thought it all through. At no stage did he think, hang on a minute, I'm on I'm on England duty here. There's COVID around. We've been told kind of, you know, that we're in this bubble and it, just the stupidity of it is what gets me. It is, but as I said, I think alluded to, the punishment has, you know, it's created itself in a way. Yeah, mm. don't get me wrong, lads. Just, just Remember no I've said this, it's gone. Now we agree it's stupid. No, we all agree that what he did was wrong and we're kind of debating the level of it, but I'm not going to try and talk you out of that. We have slight, maybe slightly no, different views. No, what I'm saying, Howard, is now that I've said this, it's, it's gone for me. As soon yeah, as yeah. we move on to the next subject, that's it. I'll never think about it again and I, I'll, I'll ruffle the phone and, you know, and all the rest of it. It's just... And it needed saying from my perspective. That's how I felt about it. Yeah. First, I mean, this week, uh, for some reason, I got a pop bitch email <laughs> that's dropped in with uh, Yaya Torre stories in it. 
I mean, it didn't tell me what he's been up to, but I think you have to pay to find out. And the ex-footballer who used to sneak Katie Price into his uh, hotel room the night before games. So uh, I've no doubt this is very, very common. But for me, as I said, it was more the timing and the COVID bubble and the fact they will have had full drill about health and safety from every moment from when they arrived. Yeah. So, you know, it's when it's been laid out to you in front the day before and then you go and do it that that really rankles with me. But, yeah, as you say, let's move on. Uh, as for getting stick, uh, well, there'll, there'll be no supporters in grounds anyway. So by the time supporters are in grounds, I'm sure this will be the, oh, last, yeah. the last thing on anyone's mind. So, yeah. Just, just a final point as well. I mean, Frank Lampard, when he was of a similar age, went out drinking uh, on, on the 12th, actually, it was the 11th of September today, isn't it? Uh, the day after 9-11, uh, he was in a kind of a bowling alley, wasn't he? And there's lots of American tourists there. Um, and, he, he, you know, he was out on a lash and you know, he deeply offended a lot of Americans uh, who were grieving at the time. Um, he's now Chelsea manager. You know, of course Phil Foden's going to grow up and of course we're going to look back at it and go, God, did he really do that? But, yeah, it's, at the time, this week, I think it's right to, to say that was wrong what he did and it was stupid. But there we go. There we go. Right, let's switch our attention elsewhere. Uh, Jordan, did you yes. watch any international duty <laughs> games this week? Um, I didn't actually. I watched the first half of the England, the first England game. I didn't watch the second one. Uh, we've been tied up with doing videos because Lewis is now away. Um, but I did see Ferran Torres' highlights for Spain, and it was very, very, very promising. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and he, he scored his he scored a goal in the second game as well, didn't he? Oh yeah, yeah. He, nice. he was he was to substitute that game, so he came on off the yeah, bench yeah. and uh, beautiful, you know, a ball coming out the air, uh, just slotted it home for the was it the fourth goal? I think so. I was quite surprised by the conversation that you had. I believe it was on the Wednesday show where you guys were talking about the fact that he'd been disappointing for. No, Twitter Spain. said that. Twitter said that. Yeah. Which obviously, uh, yeah, you like, take with a pinch of salt at all times yeah. when Twitter says I, that. I said I didn't watch the game, see, and so I was following it on Twitter and I was thinking, God, he must be having a stinker because so many City fans are saying, oh, we've signed the wrong player here. No, no, he had nothing of the sort. No. <laughs> for for yeah. me, the most interesting no. thing for me was in the first game, um, his contribution to the goal was from the right-hand side and then the second game, his goal was from the left-hand side and it's showing his fluidity across that front three that he can have a City. He played yeah, on the right hand side of one game, left hand side of the other game. And exactly. he's, he's fully capable to work both sides because he's good with both his feet. So I think for City, we're going to see more on the left than we will do the right hand side because I feel like he'll be with Sterling on the left because we have Bernardo and Mahrez on the right. But the fact that they can switch, and we've seen it happen when Foden and Sterling have played in games, uh, they often, like half an hour into a game or something, will switch over. Mm. Yeah, I think that will happen a lot and it creates this massively fluid front free for us especially when you play like Jesus and stuff and they can all switch in and then you, Torres has played striker before as well so uh, for me he's exciting and I think for £20 million like people people should not be worried that we've signed the wrong player this guy has amazing potential and can play anywhere so it's meant here here absolutely I think the it's funny you mentioned the, uh, the fact that he's played up top before because it's something that I've been thinking about since yesterday because I was having a conversation on Twitter about uh, somebody was complaining about the fact that we're not going to buy another forward um, and in my head I was kind of thinking well you know what from what I've seen of Ferran Torres people might you know immediately get what but and it's not just because he's come from Valencia but he reminds me a little bit of David Villa 
Do you know what I mean? I, yeah, I, yeah. I, th- mm. I think I think he's a player who I instinctively feel is probably more suited to playing as a, a, a forward or a false nine in Pep's system than you know a lot of the other forwards that we have in our side because. I think he's got the kind of dynamism that Jesus has where he can get up and down the pitch and he's got really high level technical ability and he's great in one-on-one situations. So if obviously like playing nine in the Premier League is a, is not, just not an easy job and it's not something that he's going to fit into quickly, but I certainly feel that there's a lot more he has a lot more promise than people realize. And it's not the first time I'm saying this on a podcast, but it's just because he costs 20 million. Had we paid 85 million for him and he was on a five-year contract at Valencia, right? Everybody would be on their feet going, we've signed the next wonder boy. But because he didn't cost that much money, because he only had a year left on his contract, he's really flown under the radar. But for me, it's it will be the most exciting piece of business that we've done this summer, even if we get... even if we get cooler Bally, because I just feel with Torres, he, a little bit like Jordan says, he brings something that we've never really had. And that is two wingers who really naturally comfortably can swap wings. Cause even Leroy and Raz, when they did it, it was primarily right footer on the right and left footer on the left. And that's how it went. Um, I feel as though Mares and Bernardo, they can't really play on the left. Um, Phil can a little bit, but uh, Ferran will really give us a kind of natural fluidity, fluidity on those wings. Yeah. Uh, no, I thought, yeah, I thought, if, I mean, the first half, I mean, these pre-season friendlies, essentially. I know they're internationals, but they are <laughs> essentially pre-season friendlies. I mean, it, it's literally a kid to watch him play, you know, on some Far Eastern tour again. God, he's rubbish, isn't he? When, I mean, the fitness of the players is all over the place. You know, you just have to look at the England games. Uh, I think the first half of that Spain-Germany game, no one stood out. I think there was a lot of going through the, the motions, really, for a lot of that game for players, and there was nothing to take from them. Uh, nice goal by Cancelo, though, elsewhere, and by Gundogan as well. So, uh, firing some... Let's hope they can do that for City in the future. Uh, Asa, could I ask you... Now, these Nations League are bizarre timing. I've seen a lot of people saying, why on earth are we playing internationals now? But could there be a benefit for City that we treat them as a pre-season? Or is there no pre-season? This, you know, is, well, we've got a very bizarre nine months ahead and it's going to be a slog. It really is going to be a slog for a lot of players. I mean, you can lose players testing positive for COVID rather than, and there'll be a lot of injuries, I think, muscle injuries as well mm. because there's no big break. Uh, can there be a benefit to City that their international players have used this to get match fit before? No. Obviously, we've got about 10 days to go still before a game. No, no, I just, I don't think there's enough time between when we stop playing. Um, I, 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 I think we're entering a kind of uh, uh, an unknown period in, in football and it, an unprecedented period for modern top level footballers because of yeah. the way that last season was broken up and the way that this season will be one very long slog. And don't forget that there's an international tournament at the end of it as well. Um, so I think that, you know, the benefit, I, I don't think there's a preseason benefit. I think it's going to be a weird four weeks as 
we kind of figure out, everybody figures out what their fitness levels are. I think the real benefits will be for the people with big squads. If you've got a big squad, you can rotate more, then you're in a better position than if you've only got a best 11 and a couple of players underneath that. And I'm talking specifically, obviously, about the kind of title race and that kind of stuff. Lower that, lower down the league, I think it'll be slightly less problematic, if that makes sense. Mm. I'll stick with you because I saw you discussing it on Twitter. Uh, if let's say we get Koulibaly, because I really do think we will. Yeah, uh, I think it will happen at some point, and I'm optimistic. And I'm, I'm dreading saying this. If we didn't, we haven't put all our eggs in one basket again. But I say that with some trepidation that we would go and sign a defender. If Koulibaly came in, you said on Twitter you rate our transfer window as an eight out of ten. Do you stand yeah. by that? Do you think you would you be happy? Now, obviously, we're not happy that Messi didn't come. I still think he might at some point. Uh, but if we ignore the Messi saga, are you fairly happy with City's business in the summer? Very happy. I think 8 out of 10 signifies uh, being very happy. I had a long conversation yesterday on, on WhatsApp with Stefan and, and Danny about the window and Koulibaly and if he comes in, how do we all feel? And I think that, for me... The, what tips it into an 8 out of 10 and I know that for other people this will be why it isn't but for me the reason it's 8 out of 10 is because I believe that Ake is a big uh, upgrade in terms of options for left back I think that uh, as a natural defender he will be so much more stable for in terms of just like just general defensive play and positioning which are two things that Zinchenko and Delph before them were really really bad at um, I think that he will be a massive upgrade so because of that then I look at Koulibaly and I look at Torres and I go no that's you, you're you you're approaching the point where you can't bring more players in without shipping players out and I think that that's the other thing that I suspect a little bit has affected the market this season is this summer it's just it's a covid market so a lot of clubs just aren't spending money so maybe your plan was to sell zinchenko but really nobody's going to pay what you value him at so then it becomes a conversation about what do you do do you let him go for way less than he's worth or do you sit on him for another year and and hope that you know next summer is a a different market and you can realize more value so it's just not it's not a simple one, but for me, the business they have done is is excellent. It's the only way. Well, obviously they have to get Koulibaly, but I'm a little bit like you. I'm sure they'll get Koulibaly, and then I'll just look at the window and go, yeah, top. Stay your thoughts. Are you happy with the business that's been done? Uh, I see it. Asan talked about it briefly. My worry is more about players that aren't going the other way. Mm. Uh, I would be happier with a... A bit of trimming, basically, a trimming yeah. of the squad yeah. and certain players out, not for net spending and all that, though. You know, it will help us in the future if we get some funds in, uh, because as always, it helps any club to get funds in, always. Uh, but I just don't want it being a bloated squad. There's no point having someone like Otamendi or, you know, whoever Sinchenko just sat on the bench essentially for nine months. So, with that in mind as well, uh, if we do get some players out, uh, will you be happy with the business we've done? Uh, yeah, I, I'll, I'm happy to defer to Jordan because basically I agree with every word you've just said and every, every word Ace has just said. Um, there's nothing much to add, really. I would ideally like to see a specialist left-back coming in. Hmm. If that was at all possible, that would make it the 10 out of 10. But with Koulibaly, I'd, I'd look at those three signings we've made. 
and think, well, I'm very happy with all three individually. They make sense. They improve us. Um, and if Zinchenko left and if Otamendi left or one, one of those two, um, I'd be all happier, really, because not that I want to see them go. I don't wish them any ill feeling, but, you know, I can't see them being very impactful on, on the first team this season. No, that's so, my point, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they might as well be playing football elsewhere for players that aren't playing. Exactly, City. yeah. Uh, well, I'll bump a question up then and stick with you, Steve. Which one player you've written outside of the top six would you love to see at City? Oh, um, I bumped it into the transfer section. Oh, yeah, you yeah. have. You've thrown me. Okay. Well, actually, it works <laughs> Get the out spotlight quite well. out. No, it does work out. You can you can move that spotlight away because it works out quite well because I just mentioned a specialist left back. I'm a big fan of Lucas Dean at um, Everton. Every time I see him, he's excellent. Um, and I, I think he'd be perfect for City. I'd, I'd be more than happy if he came. So, Lucas Dean. Okay. Uh, Jordan, what about you? Uh, it's crazy actually because everything that you said about transfers today and uh, all, all, all three of you to be honest uh, you kind of like summed everything that I was thinking <laughs> up and then and then when he got to Steve and he said oh bump it on to me because, but then he <laughs> left back and I was like oh yeah you take everything out of my mind here because I was all in the left back situation as well I think it'd be nice to get left back we know Ake can play left back uh, and the person that I actually wrote down for left back was Lucas Dini yeah. so, really? Oh, yeah, come, yeah so come on, for man. a player outside the top six <laughs> Uh, yeah, mine would be Lucasini from Everton or Jack Grealish, but uh, my, my my top one is Lucas Dini. Can I just say shout out to Jack Grealish, who's clearly in love with Kevin De Bruyne. Oh, he's he's he's, he's obsessed with Kevin De Bruyne, is the word. <laughs> it's gone it's gone way up in my estimation, Jack Grealish. Now I'd sign him just off that. Uh, he regularly tweets player. about him all the time. He's clearly uh, infatuated as much as City fans are. So. Yeah, the I, way I'd he talks love... about him is so beautiful. It's yeah. so like you see the like romance. Yeah, like huh. the, the the you know what? That's what football is about for me. I saw the interview yesterday. It popped up on my timeline, and watching him gush about another footballer reminds you that footballers. Also, well, some of them really love football. Do you know what I mean? Because you look at the way that he talks about Kev and it's the way that a supporter would talk about him. Yeah, still needs to roll his socks up there. No, no, I was going to say the opposite, Howard. That's what I was going to say. I love any player who, has, who plays with a socks rolled down and I want a player with his socks rolled down playing for City. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll go with get your hair cut then instead. <laughs> <laughs> can I... Uh, can, hey, Sam, who do you outside the top six player you'd like to... So I want to... Firstly, can I just say... Somehow, Steve Tudor is obsessed with Liverpool, man. Just like even the pi- even the player that he picked is an Evertonian, which I figured that he wouldn't <laughs> do. But there you go. And now, big love just, to Ev. Big love to the Ev. <laughs> big love to the Ev. And now, just to completely contradict that, um, I would take Richarlison. That's yeah. his name. Uh, I think he's he's the player that I'd have from outside um, the top six because I think actually left backs, you know. Fine. I like Mendy a lot, and I think that if he's fit, he's fine. Um, and I rate Ake, and I think that he'll be fine as a as a backup left back. And we have still got Zinchenko there for for the bottom six teams in the league if we really need to roll out somebody else. So now I think Richarlison would be a would be a great addition. And an outside shout for Danny Ings as well, just as he wouldn't come, and you can't really expect him to do this. But what a great kind of third choice striker to have. I actually, I actually wrote him down because I was thinking Ben Ings is an absolute bagman. <laughs> oh, Pep, sign us up. I wrote, I I've written Aubameyang down. So I mean, they didn't finish in the top six. So yeah, sure. Yeah. If you think they, tr- I know, I'm, I'm just quote, 
just quoting all of Asan's tweets about not getting another striker in I saw yesterday. Don't don't worry, Asan. I don't get alerts every time you tweet. I must have spent <laughs> a long time on Twitter yesterday. Uh, I don't think it because the issue we've got about signing strikers, of course, they'll want to play. And if Aguero's fit, he'll want to play. But I think this next season is a bit different. I think it will be carnage, and I think. There is no way every player would expect to play every game. And I think you could... I'm not saying City have failed in the transfer market by not doing this. But I think if you brought in another top striker, I don't think you'd have the problems you would in a normal season where they both want to play every game. Mm. So, uh, But it's all fantasy anyway. Uh, the only other name. There's a DM at uh, Aston Villa called Douglas Louise who seems to be playing quite well. So mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe, maybe one to look out for in the future. So. Uh, now, staying with City, are there any players you anticipate, Steve, would do a Mares? And there's still plenty of fans who would happily trade him out this summer, but there you yeah, go. Yeah. Uh, and have a great season and establish or re-establish themselves in the first team this season. I would love it to be John Stones, but I just don't see it. Um, Cancelo is, is the obvious shout for me. Mm. Um, and, and possibly even at left-back. Um it's very conceivable that he he might well play fifteen or more games at left back in the league this, this season, um, and he looked really comfortable there and he looked really good there. Now, you know, I haven't seen enough of him there to make a kind of a, a, a kind of any kind of value judgment. But from what I've seen of him so far, there, I really like him, and I also think he's he did okay at right back for City. He's he wasn't. Spectacular, but he did okay. And now with that first year under his belt, um, I could see him really kind of coming on and having a good season for us. Well, there was something about how Pep talked about him after the restart. Yes, there's that as well. Like yeah. a, a switch flicked, you know, and yeah. that he'd suddenly taken on board everything. So could be a good shout. And again, we need two players at every position in a way, you know, if, if he's right or left. So... I think he should, if he's fit, get a lot more game time. And he don't want to leave the early rumours where he did. But, you know, he seems happy to stay now. So, hey, Sam, what about you? Who are you looking towards to to really shine this season? It's hard. It's it's really hard to see uh, past Cancelo and Bernardo because I think that Bernardo obviously had a yeah. very, very poor season by his standards. And I think that Cancelo after the lockdown had a, a kind of mentality shift. So, and I feel as though they're like Cancelo is primed to kick on. And I think that Bernardo just cannot be as bad as he was last season. So I expect him, him to go up a level. And to be honest, I didn't want to say Gabby Jesus because I don't want to jinx him. I just need the lad to, because we're not going to get another nine. I can feel it. So I just need the lad to, you know, go up a level. Yeah. Jordan, what about you? Um, I agree with Asan on the Bernardo point. Um, I think Bernardo does need to up his game and then re-establish himself really into that first team because uh, we know we know Bernardo has the quality to be there. It's just obviously it's lacked uh, in the season just gone. Um, the other person I was thinking about was John Stones. Obviously, I feel like this season for John Stones is very pivotal. I feel like if he doesn't play this season or he doesn't stay fit, I feel like that's his that's his city career done. It might might already be the case, but I feel like. Hmm. With Koulibaly coming in, um, I just don't see it. And we've got Ake on the left. Uh, f- I'm happy with our four. If we get Koulibaly and we have Laporte, Ake, Stones, and... Um, wait, what? Laporte, Ake, Stones, Stones oh, wait, and Koulibaly. Koulibaly. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm happy with that. I'm really happy with that defensive four. But 
Stones needs to stay fit and needs to calm down on his errors. But I, I love Stones, and I feel like it's just more of an affinity to Stones. But uh, I do back him, but it's it's not looking great for him. So for for my Mares pick, do a Mares. I'd I'd hope it'd be John Stones. Mm, but I'd love that, yeah. Yeah, but my if, one is my, if, my one is Bernardo. I want to see Bernardo reinstated into the first yeah. To my, yeah, if I could be God and choose one myself, it's a guarantee a great season. And Stone stands out a mile. Mm, yeah, uh, but yeah, my choice. I mean, Garcia might still be there next season. Nah, I think you know what? I think actually Garcia, being the bell end that he is, um, <laughs> will uh, has given Stones a reprieve. I think St- John Stones has a chance now because I've got a feeling Otamendi's going to get bounced out the door, and the four yeah. that are going to be the four centre backs will be Stones, Koulibaly, Ake, and Laporte, and that's an opportunity for John Stones. Um, and I kind of agree with you guys. I, I, I do. I hope that he takes it, but. I do look across his city career and see more negatives than positives, which is a shame considering how much I wanted him to do well when he came. I mean, yeah. We touched on it before about the mentality state of it. And I feel like he's, he's had a lot of uh, like mental side of it going on throughout his Absolutely. time at City with his girlfriend and that. And I feel like that's just hindered his, hindered his career at City. But he, that's the thing that you can't let happen. You can't let, you know I mean, work life and home life need to stay separate. And it's the same with football. Your home life can't enter the game. You need to. You need to be in it. You need to be in it hundred mm. percent. So I feel like that. That's ended his performances. Yeah. I as well. mean, your ball playing defender. Once you lose that confidence, yeah, you know, it's, it's in a team where you can't just be bedded back in until you've got that confidence back because no. you can't just wallop. You know, put him in the Burnley team and he could just <laughs> wallop the ball up the field or something when it came to him. But now he has to find a man whilst being pressed, and it's you know, harder for him. Got to believe in himself. I think Garcia was just ha- hanging around to see if Messi came, to be honest. <laughs> if you want to go in the opposite direction, yeah. passing him. Uh, Aren't over. we all just hanging around to see if Messi comes? <laughs> didn't want to pass him in the, you know, over Paris somewhere as they were flying in opposite directions. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. For me, Rodri, I think, is going to have a strong second season. That's Ooh, my prediction. Undoubtedly. We will see. Uh, right, it is the... Not for City, not for United, not for Aston Villa or Burnley, but for 16 sides, it's the opening Premier League weekend. Uh, Started tomorrow. You can tell the enthusiasm's just overwhelming. Uh, Now, the question is, how excited are you? I'll start with you, Jordan, about an opening Premier League weekend that doesn't feature City, has no fans in grounds. For me, I get the feeling being stuck at home a lot, if there's football on, I'm excited until I start watching it. Which is like England, Denmark, and it's like, yeah. oh, actually, most football is actually quite boring. Are you excited at all that it is back, uh, or until yeah, fans, of until fans are in grounds, is it just a soulless experience still? No, no, I think, I think to be honest, I feel like they've done well with it. I feel like the, I know the the added sounds aren't always the best, and you can tell that the man behind the soundboard sometimes has a bit of a nightmare with it. But it's a after watching about five minutes of the game, you kind of do forget. You kind of like, you kind of get into it again. Hmm. And um, I'm just buzzing it's back. I'm just buzzing to be watching football. Like I say, most people are stuck inside. There's a lot of places going back into lockdown. And to have football back is just something something to do, isn't it? So I feel like being able to watch the games. I know City aren't playing this weekend. And obviously, that's a bad thing. But I think it gives us a bit more time to maybe get Koulibaly over the line like, hmm. during this time that the season isn't in. So maybe we do have another centre-back when we start. But uh, obviously, we'll have to wait on that. But um, I'm buzzing. I can't wait. I can't wait to just start watching football. And obviously, 
no doubt I'll I'll look at the Liverpool game and then they'll, if they win I'll just be like oh no here we go again another <laughs> stressful season but uh, no I'm excited like even the other even the other top teams like Chelsea I'm well excited to watch Chelsea because yeah. of all the transfers I've made I'm, I felt this year's going to be really competitive yeah yeah well you know top six prediction it showed that it's not easy I think it might be the most competitive there's so many unknowns as well mm. uh, I mean strictly speaking City aren't playing next weekend either so quarter past eight on a Monday night what a, what a time Wobbly. to start your Premier League season uh, hey Sam what, how do you feel about this obviously every, here in the UK there's been a lot of arguing and debate but it has been announced now I think all the games are live one way or the other so we can watch them if we want mm. to So, I mean look I think that uh Post lockdown, a season where the the league table for the top teams was more or less over, or certainly for us it was over. We had nothing really to play for other than pride. Um, this will be different because we have something to play for uh, in every league game, and kind of we're starting afresh. Um, in general, like I'm, I'm interested and excited. I'm a little bit like Jordan in that I think there's enough changes and enough moves in the league enough players come in that I'm excited to see Chelsea, how they do with their new players, Arsenal a little bit longer with Arteta. How will they do? I think United under Solskjaer are, you know, will be, it will be interesting to see what they, what they have become now, whether there is any difference. Um, and then, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit quietly, and I hate to say this after slagging stay off, but quietly, I'm a bit interested to see how the F do, because I think Carlo and, <laughs> you know, James Rodriguez and Richarlison is already there, and they bought Alan from Napoli, who's a really good player. Uh, I don't know, like it's it's a, it's a season that entices me. I guess that's the uh, the best way for me to characterise it. So no, I'm, I'm, I'm pleased the football is back. I do feel I do feel for the players and I do worry that uh, there will be um, injuries like more than normal. And I just hope that they're limited to small muscle ones and we don't start seeing ACLs and stuff like that. Mm. Squad depth could be key. I think. Yeah. The last thing we need to do is send our players to Kugat because every player that goes to Kugat comes with an ACL. So <laughs> as, as long as we can swerve that, I think we'll be good. Yeah. If anyone, any players are in Barcelona, then, you know, it's bad news. Don't you? So. Yeah. Uh, well, Lionel Messi still is, unfortunately. Uh, Stay. how will empty grounds, do you think, affect the prospects of certain teams? I think it's put promoted teams at a big disadvantage. Yeah, you know, the home it's... crowd factor, basically, is gone. Yeah. Uh, do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely, especially with Leeds. Um, but also Liverpool as well, it affects them more than the rest of the top six, I believe. Um Oh god, I could really name drop it. <laughs> I won't. Um, I was just talking <laughs> about on. this shit. Well, I was, I was t- on Leeds in Liverpool. I was talking to me and Rush yesterday uh, about this yeah. very thing. <laughs> I was <laughs> over coffee. Yeah, I was, and he was entirely positive about Liverpool throughout. And yet, when we got to this point, he said, "Yeah, it will affect Liverpool more than the rest of the top six. And um, so, even you know, Ian Rush says that about Liverpool, and I think it will. Um, but yeah, you're right. Promoted teams as well. Um, we saw it last season with Sheffield United that you know how they dropped off um, post lockdown because they they relied so much on on their fans as well. So yeah, certain clubs will struggle. And and I said I've said for a while now I've said on this pod a number of times this benefits City. This mm-hmm. really does because we play kind of exhibition football if you like. It's not kind of uh, designed to be 
roused and inspired by fans. If that's the case, great. That's always a positive. But the main thing about City is it's quite clinical and you know pre pre organized and kind of all the rest of it. it. It's not. It doesn't rely so much on on kind of um, the fan base. So I think you know we could actually benefit from it um, over other clubs. Well, our favourite Scouse separatist, Tony Evans, I think wrote an article saying the same and got slated for it. But Oh, really? And I kind of agree, well, long, yeah, quite a while ago. I quite, yeah. kind of agree with you. I just get doubt in my mind when I think of the pre, you know, the the defeat at Chelsea, maybe it didn't matter, defeat yeah. at Arsenal, in the, the, you know, the FA Cup, where, bizarrely, City made the same mistakes as if there was a crowd there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And a I, you know, that makes well. sense. I just, uh, yeah, just, there was some city just swept teams aside after, you know, uh, after the restart because yeah. players, I, I agree with you generally that the, you know, just skill would be more important than ever. Uh, but yeah, there is, there is a caveat as well when your back is against the wall, you know, if you're one nil down or whatever, you, you are going to need the fans no matter what team mm. you are. Um, but yeah, generally speaking, I think certain clubs are going to struggle more than others because of no fans in the ground. Okay, well, we're getting there. We're running out of time a bit, so I want you... Asan loves this bit. Uh, unfortunately, I poo-pooed you. <laughs> you poo-pooed me uh, doing the whole, <laughs> the whole league table prediction. I want there to be an audience left at the end of the podcast lab, do you know what I mean? Wait, it um, would have gone viral. <laughs> predicting 1-20 to 20 on the Premier League is just... <laughs> A guaranteed way to have the podcast be turned off by rubbish. rubbish. I'd, I'd turn it off and I'd be involved. Rubbish. It would have gone <laughs> viral. Jordan to not turn up. Jordan's like, I'm not even doing it if we've got to do that. <laughs> Honestly, it would have gone viral. <laughs> you know nothing. Am I allowed to ask the top six predictions? Yes. Two yeah. to six. Are we all? Are we all going to go for a certain team? Oh, I like that. Yeah, let's go two to six. Yes. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, I think City will win the league. I think we have the, the mm. deepest squad and the strongest squad. Uh, and I think that will tell massively in a season uh, like this one where the, you know, the players are basically going to be dealing with a lot of fitness issues. Um, two to six then. Controversially, I suspect United might sneak into second. Um, Leeds. And, sorry? <laughs> Leeds. <laughs> No, Manchester, sorry. Salford right, um, United. Uh, I think that Liverpool will finish third and I think that Chelsea will finish fourth. And the reason that I'm dropping Chelsea down to fourth, even though they've done all that business, is because I think that it will take them time to get that collection of players, the new players, mm. in embedded into Lampard's system. Um, and I don't necessarily think that the... I think that their defense, the defensive issues that they've had under Lampard, uh, I'm not sure Thiago Silva and Chilwell will completely iron them out. Um, it'd be interesting to see if it does, but I don't know if it will. I don't know if it will. And I think that what it does for Lampard, I think where it's going to be a little bit easier for Solskjaer and Klopp is that there'll be relative consistency from last season to their team selections. So the players, the instructions, the coaching, everything, there's a continuity to it. And I think that for Chelsea, it'll be slightly trickier because Lampard will have to get those players embedded into his system. And to be honest, all the players that they bought are, in theory, best 11 players. So it will take a little bit of time because you can't imagine that you can drop four or five players straight into the first team and expect them to have everything down pat from game one. Okay. Uh, Jordan? 
Well, just do top four, basically. Unless, I mean, you don't have to go for City in first, obviously. No, no, I've, I've, I've gone for City in first. I've, I do feel like we're winning. Our, like Aysen said, our squad depth is going to be a massive factor for this year. I feel like we have the best squad depth in, well, probably in the world. Um, I've gone with Liverpool second. I do think they'll push us again, sadly. Uh, I don't see us winning this league by... 20 points as they did, but I feel like it, I do feel like it could be exciting. Um, mm. I've gone United third. Um, so I, I, I agree as well. I think United will push this top four this year. Um, and if they don't, questions have to be asked on their end. Um, and then I've gone Chelsea fourth as well. I feel like, I feel like they won't be up there as much, but they will be mm. very, very exciting this year because of all the new players they've brought in, as I said before. And then fifth and sixth, I went Arsenal and Tottenham. Arsenal, who's that? Arsenal and then Tottenham. Arsenal, Arsenal put fifth. It, it was close. I wanted Arsenal in the top four just because it's Arteta. And you know I mean, I want Arteta to, do, Arteta to do really well. I want it to do well, but not take any trophies from us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I might as well say no. I've come for exactly the same order as you. So uh, it's from two to six. So, or from one yeah. to six, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then Everton, Southampton. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> no, no. I'm not Stop doing it. it. I'm already joking. Uh, stay. Uh-huh. What about you? I've gone for Liverpool second. I think they've got one more season left in them, and then they're a busted flush. But I think uh, they're going to fall short of City by kind of six to eight points ultimately. Uh, Chelsea third. Um, I believe that this season is going to um, closely mirror the 2013-14 season where basically Liverpool and Chelsea and City are all involved, but no one really takes Chelsea seriously as title contenders and they fall away towards the end. So City, Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal fourth, United fifth, and Leeds United sixth. Look at that. <laughs> can I can what? I just say, right, when we went back when we were City Eye, uh, every time that we had uh, Steve on the podcast, um, every time he predicted something, it went the opposite way. And it was usually... <laughs> I don't think we ever had a podcast with Steve on where we won the game afterwards, so I don't trust yeah. your predictions, Steve. <laughs> Jordan, City in sixth, please. Jordan, I, I, I write previews for betting sites as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, the, they obviously want people who <laughs> betting yeah. sites want yeah, you to have exactly. to. Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I just realised that, yeah. Yeah, it's just yeah. suddenly a dawn. <laughs> oh my God, your whole existence is a... <laughs> yeah, it's a question, yeah. <laughs> it's a lie, yeah. <laughs> uh, at the bottom of the table, are we expecting the three promoted sides to struggle? Or, hey, Sam, start with you again. Who do um, you think? And also, bonus question, is there an established side you think is really in danger this season of going down? By established, has been there at least one or two seasons. Well, look, I think that if Palace lose Zaha, right, um, I think it'll be interesting to see how they do. I think mm. West Ham feels like a very problematic club right now. Uh, you wonder, like, I, there's some clubs that uh, should be careful about how they start the season, and we should all keep an eye on how they start the season. And Palace, West Ham, and Newcastle are three such clubs for me because I think that the three of them, for different reasons, have the potential to get mired in 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 absolute drossness on a weekly basis. Yeah, I think West Ham are my established tip because I've heard some rumours that might be rubbish, but obviously when your club captain's hmm. pulling out sales... Exactly. You know, and I've heard about arguments between 
Brady and Moyes. I don't know if it's true, but we all know, even if they're not true, we know they are a mess. I not. think Declan Rice to Chelsea will get done as well. I mm. think that in the next two weeks, Declan Rice gets sold. And I think that that will be that. I think, I think, yeah. for- I think, I think Newcastle have just bought enough to stay where they are, you know, in that. Mm. Top half of the second half or whatever. Uh, you know, yeah. but I, like, I think the... Fulham West Brom are just two absolute certs for me to go down. So. Mm. Yeah. I, I disagree on West Brom. I think Fulham are. I think West, yeah, West Ham will struggle. Every year I tip Burnley for the drop, and every yeah. year they don't. So this time I'm going to say they're going to finish seventh. <laughs> so they're I do go the down same. Then, <laughs> every every year I do exactly the same. Steve. I think they're go- they're going to run out, and he's had his problems. Dice obviously getting players in, but yeah. Uh, again, this that they'll pick up points when you just think they're gone. They'll just win four in a row again. You think, oh God's sake! Burnley so, are like the cockroaches of the Premier League. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there could be a uh, there could be a nuclear war, and Burnley would still be in the Premier League after it. Yeah. They carried on playing throughout COVID. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jordan, what about you? Uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of I'm in consensus with the West Ham thing. Uh, I think West Ham are done. Um, and then I've gone for Fulham to go straight back down. Uh, I don't know why I don't, I don't trust Fulham as a club. Great. And then my other one was Palace. Uh, yeah. the, I just yeah. I just think it's make or break. Like, like Aysen said, you need to keep a close eye on these. And it wouldn't surprise me, and this is my managerial pick, it wouldn't surprise me if you see Sam Allardyce back in the Premier League because guarantee <laughs> one of these clubs is going to be ringing Sam to save them. <laughs> God, that's something to look forward to, isn't it? <laughs> COVID and all nice. But I think he's, Palace he's with a their... club saver. Yeah, yeah, Palace with a tight ground, you know, again, lack of fans could really hit them, to be honest, because yeah. you I, create I, a good atmosphere there, which is lacking in a lot of Premier League grounds. I think that there's, there's something, there's like a... I wonder whether teams that are full of journeymen, yeah, um, and foreign journeymen and people who aren't maybe that bothered about, you know the club that they're actually at. I think without the supporters for the home games, it will be interesting to see kind of motivation, commitment, work rate, all the kind of, you know, the very traditional and cliched British stuff about Premier League football. But it will be interesting to see how those clubs, uh, how those players and those clubs react to, to no supporters in the ground. Yeah, indeed. I mean, the only... Caveat in a way is obviously I think it's October the fifth the transfer window deadline. You just see teams like West Brom and Fulham doing a lot of late activity, scrambling around, uh, but that doesn't mean that their activity will be beneficial to them. It might be disastrous, so we will see. I, uh, I think Billich and West Brom are a good fit, and I think West Brom are going to be safe throughout. But not not going to be spectacular. They never are, but I, I think they're going to be safe. Yeah, I just don't think they're good enough. <laughs> you know, it's, it's not as if they took the championship by storm. But I don't, I don't know. It's, I'm I'm uh, looking forward to seeing Leeds. I'm really yeah, excited to see Leeds. Yeah. Me too. It's you know, a great I'm, picture this Saturday. I'm going to throw absolute madness at the podcast because, uh, you know, it's the Friday show. I've not been on for a while, so got to throw madness at the podcast. <laughs> Keep an eye on how Bielsa does, and if he does well, Bielsa's a name that will be somewhere around City's pep replacement world. <sighs> Because he, because the reality is that if he proves himself in the Premier League, that if he can get Leeds to play like a Bielsa team should in the Premier League and do well, well, I mean, you know, that guy is literally one of Pep's mentors, heroes from a footballing point of view. And I think that having that Premier League pedigree will trump 
a lot of other things. Do you know what I mean? So, I mean, it's a mad show, but <laughs> it's actually not that mad for me. I'm just not sure the owners would take the risk of him being, you yeah. know, obviously Pep adores him. Yeah. It would be ace. He'd live above Tony's chippy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, bungalow just down the road. That's what yeah. doing, won't it? So, I don't uh, know. I'm gonna fr- just before you wrap this up, I'm going to throw a question to the three of you. Do any of the three of you think that Leeds can do some sort of madness tomorrow against Liverpool and get anything out of that game? Or do we all just accept that... Nah, it's just too, too. No, too. I, I genuinely believe that they're going to win tomorrow, um, and I'm, I'm including them in, in a treble. But as has been established, I'm terrible at predicting. So <laughs> just ignore five nil at half time. To- I mean, we saw against Arsenal in January though, in in the FA Cup, um, and they just ran Arsenal ragged. I mean, they lost, I know, but they, there was times where the overload they were creating, Arsenal players were looking bamboozled. Um, and I think we'll see the same on Saturday. I can't wait for that game, to be honest. Yeah, as, as Jack said, they were losing at half time to Blackpool this week, but they did score about six goals in the second seven half. Two, so, yeah. Yeah. Seven two, so yeah, uh, I can't see it myself. But of course, let's not forget Steve's predicted Leeds to finish the season in sixth. So, <laughs> why would you do that, Steve? Let us never forget. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be reminding you of that during the season, no doubt. Uh, right, that's everything. Uh, thanks very much for coming on, eh, Sam? Uh Loved it. Thank yeah. you for having me back. Good to have you back in the fold. Uh, Stay, thanks very much. Uh, pleasure, mate. Just a quick thing. The um, favourite opening days for City. Um, obviously, we haven't got time for today, but we'll do it next week because I've got a story. And, yeah. hey, Sam, you'll be shocked to know it involves Liverpool. <laughs> I was literally going to say we'll, we'll you know after we'd finish this uh, we'll fit it into next week because yeah. obviously it is the opening day kind it's, of it's a long story week. as well so yeah, yeah we'll I do have one in mind myself so uh, Jordan thanks for coming on no no I made my debut don't worry I won't be doing a fill tonight so uh, <laughs> <laughs> not for want of trying but... <laughs> <laughs> not by choice <laughs> So you're not getting replies to your text messages then. that's it uh, <laughs> well, getting thank, aired on all of it <laughs> thanks for powering us through this show anyway yeah, energised it mate <laughs> yeah you did <laughs> that's why it's gone next, to seven, next 70 minutes next week we want sound effects next yes, week, ne- bring next the week sound we'll bring effects, sound effects we'll, yeah, we'll have yeah. a full someone custom soundboard ready when someone else will be hosting definitely <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'll host it <laughs> brilliant <laughs> yes go on lad you host it with the sound effects excellent <laughs> uh, yeah thanks everyone a uh, quick reminder fantasy football is your thing that the joint 9320 City Extra Football League is up and running uh, last count I think there's just short of 200 people in there when I checked last night but we'd like a few more than that so check our Twitter feeds for the codes to join or just ask us if you can't find them. Uh, we'll be giving, or I will, be giving regular updates during the season, I promise, and there will be prizes for the best performers. Uh, all free, nothing to lose by joining, but plenty to gain. So please go for it if you've already got a team, or just go onto the Fancy Premier League site, get a team sorted and join by tomorrow. Uh, right, so onwards to start the least normal season we've ever experienced, and it's live, uh, as fans hopefully trickle back into grounds, For those that wish to, we can but hope that it at least ends under a sense of normality, if not beginning under one. By which I mean City winning the league, Klopp once more bemoaning oligarchs because his special energy drink stopped working, Uh, United's DNA temporarily (laughs) temporarily misplaced again, and the hashtag empty had trending as a diversion from the real issues. So here's to a brave new world, a reinvigorated pep and another 100 goals plus. Thanks for listening, take care, stay safe, and as always... 
Up the blues. Up the blues.